This is the BSN Denver Buffs Podcast. Sepalufa on a shotgun, four wide receivers on the field. Phil Lindsay to his right. He's going to take the handoff. Goes between the left tackle and the left guard. Oh, slow ass finally hey. broke a touchdown. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Phil Lindsay, 40, 45, 50, 40, 35, breaking away. Two tacklers to be Phil Lindsay. 10, 5, touchdown, Colorado. Powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Phil Lindsay with an 80 yard carry on the first play of the second half, and the Buffaloes are going to be up by three scores. Now, here are your hosts Ryan Koningsberg, Jake Shapiro, and Ted Chelfin. Thank you, Connor McGahee, for that wonderful intro. And yes, it is true. Ted Chelfin is finally back on the BSN Buffs podcast. We are happy to have him join us. It's great to be here, Shap. I know I'm no substitute for Allie, but I'll do my best. I mean, it just depends on who you ask. It just depends on who you ask. Well, if you're asking me, you got to go check out mybookie.lv. <laughs> football fans are flooding the online marketplace, putting big money on the football games, and they have to wait weeks to collect their cash. There's nothing more frustrating. Urgh. That's why thousands of online players are going to mybookie.lv. They offer real Las Vegas odds, incredible player props, and live in-game action with odds updated in real time. And as we just told you, fast, no hassle payouts when you win. Join now and they'll match your first deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000 and get an extra 10% bonus on top of that. When you sign up and deposit today, just make sure you use promo code BSN Denver. That's promo code BSN Denver, expert or rookie. You got to go check out mybookie.lv today. All I'm saying is if you had bet every Buffs game so far and just let it ride, you could be like a millionaire. I'm, I'm super pissed off that I've only bet on one game so far this year. You got you to just, if you had faith from I, day I, one. I, I made $20 and I'm still mad. <laughs> Buffs are 7-0 and against the spread and that's been one the of the... only team in the nation that's undefeated against the spread. Only team. And that's been one of the incredible things about this team. They took care of a 13-point spread last weekend against Arizona State, which is pretty incredible when you think about it because... Colorado had struggled to even keep within 13 points of Arizona State since joining the conference, and they had no problem hanging uh, a 24-point margin on them uh, last Saturday. And it was really an impressive effort all around. Uh, It was beautiful in Folsom Field. The fans were there, as Ted will note, probably in the next 10 seconds. So it it was really a great day for Colorado football on Saturday. And uh, here are some of our takeaways, because I think there are many from this game, which was so positive. Well, here's one takeaway. The 24-point margin was not as big a margin as it should have been. The game was not even that close. I remember being really relieved that the Buffs got that touchdown at the end of the game because it would have just been terrible for the Buffs to have a 33-16 to scoring margin in a game that was that lopsided. Arizona State had three field goals on drives where they weren't able to move the ball whatsoever and just relied on Zane Gonzalez being the best kicker in the country. And then their one touchdown that they scored was on a 30-yard field after Jay McIntyre muffed a punt, which he would later do again. If you take those things away, this game should have been more like 44-6 to because they also had a missed field goal and a missed extra point. And, I, I mean, the offense got extremely vanilla late in the game to the point where – Mike McIntyre and Jim Levitt got into, got into it on the sidelines. Now, Jake asked Coach McIntyre what it was about. Of course, Coach isn't going to tell you. But, hey, this is a podcast, and we're allowed to assume things. So I am going to guess that Jim Levitt went over to Mike McIntyre after the team had gone three and out, I think, three times in a row and said, look, man, like, give me something. Keep my guys off the field because we're dominating this game, but you just keep trotting us back out there because the offense is so vanilla right now. Um, and it, it got heated. I mean, they were in each other's face. It got to the point where actually after <laughs> Philip Lindsay on the next drive goes ahead and just ch- 
chunks them up all the way down the field. Mike McIntyre came over and kind of gave Jim Levitt a death stare, like, see, we can run the ball, and I'll do it exactly how I want to do it. I but think – sorry, Ryan. I, I think what's been pretty incredible about Colorado's defense is that they've only given up two touchdowns in their three home games. Like, that's – I know they've played – And both of those were off of fumbles in their own territory. And that's what I was going to. It, it, they – the defense has been outstanding in, in Boulder. Yeah, they're off the charts. And honestly, I never th- – I thought that 13-point spread was very bad. I mean – I think it's one of those things where Vegas is ha- has their hands tied because people still just look at the names and they say, oh, Arizona State, 13-point, uh, you know, they're 13-point underdogs. Like, I'll go buy that. Where Vegas knows that Colorado is better than that, but people keep putting money on these teams that are playing against Colorado because people haven't realized that Colorado has returned yet. So, I, I mean, I, mean, I, I know looking, some – I was looking at an ESPN article this week that said Colorado's gained 15 points in Vegas this year. Right. I, I know some people, some educated betters that were putting – big-time money on the buffs because it was a, a matchup that's really set up for them. And as soon as you saw Manny Wilkins out there completely unable to be himself, you knew the buffs uh, weren't going to have any issues. Yeah, Manny Wilkins was terrible. And, I mean, you got to credit, of course, the Colorado defense for some of that. But I think you have to look to Colorado's side and their quarterback and Stefan Lufau, too, because there was questions about both teams' quarterbacks coming into this game. And – all of them have been answered about Colorado's quarterback in Cepho Lufau. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is Cepho is the truth, and he has been for a long time, uh, and he was in some tough situations, and yes, did he make some bad decisions and, and make some bad plays over the years? Yes, but I, I can't help but say that I think a lot of Colorado fans don't deserve this good Cepho right now because of the, the amount of slander and things that were said. I mean, just like look in the mirror right now and ask yourself, did you say that Jordan Gerke should start over Sefa Lufa at one point? Or did you say that Kate Apsay should start over Sefa Lufa at one point? Or any of the number of quarterbacks that people have asked for. I mean, even Steven Montez, which is maybe the most acceptable of any of those takes. But it's just ridiculous the, the, the amount of things that were said about him in the last four years. And now you've got those same people, you know, jumping on his back and acting like they loved him all the time. And that's okay. That's what fans do. But I just, ha- you know, it's, it makes me so happy to see the video that you posted of the students there chanting his name. It just has to be, be such vindication for Cepho, who has put in all the work, who has been an absolute warrior for this football team. And now people are finally seeing what he can really be. I will say, when I was shooting that, it, it took me a, a while to record because I was kind of taking pictures and whatnot. When I was, I got goosebumps while doing that because I know Seppo on and off the field, and I knew what that meant to him to be in that spot, to get a home win, a Pac-12 South home win, and then be the player of the game, basically. You know, it was Phil Lindsay, obviously, was terrific, but he deserved the credit, too. Seppo deserved the credit. So to, so to see someone that I know and a peer of mine have that reaction was, like, chilling to me. And I, like, my first reaction as a journalist is I got to record this and put this <laughs> on the Internet. But, like, I, like... As soon as I, like, turned off my camera, I'm like, damn, that was one of the coolest things, like, I've ever been, like, near. But, like, and and I was honestly upset that it didn't even do more numbers because I thought that was the coolest thing that happened on Saturday was the fans on the field making Cepho cry. Cepho, I mean, I'm so happy for him. I don't know him all that well. I know, but I know his brother fairly well because his brother comes to all the games and he hangs out in the student section where I usually am. Great kid. And just to see to see them get to be happy after all that they've been through, not just the, the criticism, 
but all the you know the injuries that he's had to come back from and for him to have that triumphant moment where he trots out on the field for the first offensive possession and gets a giant ovation from awesome. from the crowd I mean, that was just so great to see in the student section chanting, we love Cepho during the game before any of that stuff happened on the field afterwards. For him to finally, that was the one thing that I always felt uneasy about when I thought Davis Webb was coming here was, yeah, I think he's got it, what it takes to guide the buffs to a bowl game. But really, Cepho built this whole thing, and it sucks that he's going to have to sit on the sidelines and watch other people reap the benefits of this. And so I'm so happy that it's going to be Cepho that's going to get to lead this team to you know their first bowl game in nine years because we're all absolutely certain at this point that they're going to go to a bowl game. Right. It's. I mean, just hearing you talk, I, I almost forgot about you know when they when he ran out on the field and they say, you know, starting quarterback Sefo Lufau and everyone goes crazy. Like just thinking about it now gives me goosebumps. He's just. I mean, there's so many moments this season that have vindicated these players. You know, all the work they put in, all the things they've been through. All you know, there's. There was a long time where walking around on, on campus with your Colorado football gear on wasn't cool. Like, you know, a lot of guys didn't even do it because or they even Or even having the job that we do and talking to football players wasn't fun or wasn't cool to other people. It's like, why? You don't want to talk to them. They suck. Exactly. So for them to have these moments, and especially Sefo, because I think Sefo is the personification of this entire Mike McIntyre era and the entire rise, it all kind of goes along with Sefo's story. Uh, and knowing him and, and knowing his family, is, it was really, really cool to see him finally get that credit. And it, it just it makes, like, looking back, actually this week was um, the Arizona game last year on my time hop one year ago. And looking back at my mentions and having all the people blaming Cepho, and I, I tweeted something like, the dude played a good game. He threw, two he threw two touchdowns and zero interceptions, and you guys are still out here blaming Cepho. And it's like, in a sense, I feel a little vindicated for defending him all this time because – he has never been the problem, and now you're seeing he has one of the highest completion percentages in the country with zero interceptions. And he has an offensive line that's competent, and that's a huge thing because his offensive line at times has been the opposite of competent. His adjusted completion rate is 83.5%. Doesn't it lead the nation? Isn't it the best? It's, it's the best yeah. in the whole country. It's the best in the nation. I mean, the, the thing you were saying about the people being afraid to wear their CU gear around campus, players on the team, I saw people, you know, students, you know, asking to get pictures with, like, Johnny Huckins and Sam Cronsage on the field so awesome. after the game. It's like everybody is getting to enjoy this now. Phil Lindsay, I, 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 I pass him because I, he has a class in the same room that I have a class, and I pass him every Tuesday and Thursday. And I was going to say something about player of, the, player of the Week to him, but I see him coming out of class, and there's this girl talking to him who didn't, you know, nice. seem like yeah. she was just like, <laughs> it's like, congrats, Phil, you know, so happy for you that you guys had that great game, and it was really exciting. It was like, wow, like the student body – at large, not just people like me who've always paid attention, are really waking up to this stuff, and it's got to be great for the players. There's a long period there where there's only like a few quote-unquote heroes on campus, and you're talking about like Josh Scott or Spencer. Spencer. I mean, now there's a whole team that of course every day they're wearing their Colorado shirts. I'm sure, and every, and people are coming up to them. You know, I sat there in a class once with football players, and they had beat like. Charleston Southern or something, and this girl was like, yeah, you guys finally won a game. Like, good for you. Like, that stuff doesn't happen. And now they walk into classes, and everyone's like, it might even be like starstruck. Like, oh, my God, you know, there's Phil Lindsay. It's awesome. And it's it's just, it makes it, you know, I, I was thinking of this when I was driving in the car back from uh, Boulder to Centennial this week. And I was just thinking, like, there might not ever be a season like this one ever again. 
because the way that all of this feels and the the rise from literally the ashes it has a different feeling to it it's not just winning it's it's right. such a fulfillment for fans for players for coaches to have come from the absolute bottom and now be feeling the highest of highs you know it's not like they're going to back into a bowl game like they have a chance to really compete for the conference they're Enjoy it now because I, there may never be a season that feels like this ever again. There's nothing more fun than winning without expectations. Think of the 2007 Rockies. Think of the 2011 Tebow Broncos games. That, you know, teams that nobody expected to go anywhere, and just but being a fan of those teams for all the preceding years that were so rough made it that much sweeter. So yeah, I think a lot of the people who hadn't paid attention for the last five years are definitely enjoying this. But I do think that those of us who've been there and have watched every game and have suffered through all of this, it is a little bit sweeter. It's amazing. And like I said, soak it up, like soak it up because there's nothing like it. I want to talk about one other guy that's got his vindication this week. And that was Addison Gillum. Uh, Quietly. I think he got vindication because uh, he hasn't really gotten back to the level that he has, is at or was at at one point, but he is getting there, and every single week he gets a little bit better, and it's starting to take notice. And you see it when he absolutely nailed Wick, uh, Wilkins twice, uh, two bone-crushing hits as you described them to me. And Addison Gillum, if he can be 80% of the player he was his freshman year, this defense is, is the elite defense that we're praising right now. So Addison Gillum... I think is a guy that's really close to getting that vindication and he deserves some attention and some hype because he's a guy that has been through it all uh, as much as Sefa Lufau has too. That was crazy. Just, it felt like it flipped for him in the, in the, in a matter of a week. I mean, all of a sudden he was the player that he was freshman year that when he goes, it looks like he shot out of a cannon and he was making plays that really he he hasn't made one play like that since he was a freshman and since he dealt with everything that he's dealt with beyond injuries you know stuff back home and everything now in one week i, I swear in one week it it went from he's yeah he's he's looking better to oh my god that's the 44 i remember yeah i mean i saw in the fourth quarter when he came up the when he came up the straight up the middle uh basically unblocked and hit manny i saw on the court, on the on the sideline, I I saw Jim Levitt frantically looking around for him, and he was like, because he saw whatever ASU was going to do, he was like, Addison, go in there, go in there, and then he comes in. He hadn't been in for a few plays, and immediately just destroys the quarterback on the first play that he's in there. And I mean, it was a great call by Jim Levitt, but also it was just as somebody who my freshman year he was one of the two or three best players on the entire team, like him, Paul Richardson. Who else? Connor Wood, the first half of the year. <laughs> um, the first, first game two of games. the year. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, you know, he was one of, the, one of the players on the team. And then to see everything that he had to go through, if there's anybody who's been through more than Cepho, it's Addison Gillum. And it's just great to see him being something like the player that he was. So that's just been a great story that I think every Buff fan who's actually stuck with this team can appreciate. It's all about, I mean, it's almost like everything's coming full circle. You know, it was like, Addison all of a sudden returns to prominence um, as the defense is now killing it. And it's like Cepho all of a sudden is this dominant quarterback as the team rises up. It's just, it's great. I mean, it's, it's something. A little, it's a little storybook, isn't it? It's I, I, it, like, I almost want to write a book about it. We'll see. Wait till the end of the season. Maybe it'll be worth writing a book about. Yep. It has not, not been discussed between me and Ryan. Let's yes, put it that exactly. way. Um, I, I think one more takeaway 
Well, okay, hold on. There's another takeaway from this game, and then there's something else we have to talk about from this game. The other takeaway is the kicking situation. Davis Price, uh, freshman, we can all agree has a great leg. Maybe he has not, some great legs. <laughs> maybe not cut out yet for the job. However, Chris Graham uh, is there. He's a veteran kicker for what he is, and uh, he has the job again because Davis Price missed a field goal. I don't think anybody has the job. Well, well you here's go. what I'll tell you. Um, I heard through the grapevine, and you two can make your decision on whether or not this should affect a kicker. I told Davis Webb is struggling with a bit of illness. Davis Webb? Davis, I mean, what? Don't say that name around me. They're all Davis. The trigger warning. Terrell Davis is struggling with uh, some, some illness. So, to you, does that, is that an excuse? If I don't you know. can, if you're suiting up, you can play. It's on you if you're. Well, maybe to it was up. a it was a thing where it's like I mean he's not like, you know it's not like he has a cold, but maybe it's a, a thing where you know they're like all right he's like I'm feeling good I can go and then you you know you mess up a couple of times and they're like all right well hey, let's get you healthy and then get you back out there. We'll see. I mean I think he's not going to be on kickoffs as much as Graham because it seemed like he was tweaking his leg a little bit when he was trying to do kickoffs, even though he has a stronger leg, and they really can't afford to lose him. So Graham seems to have mastered kicking it just barely deep enough for it to work. It's, it's kind of annoying that in the season that the offense is great and the defense is dominant, the special teams is just trash. I mean, the special teams has been trash. You can't, you can't have everything, Ryan. <laughs> I mean... Special teams, yes, the punt returning in that game was terrible. You said to me Saturday night, and I don't know if you still hold by this, but you can't play Jack Jay McIntyre at punt returner anymore. You really um, you don't think so? First of all, I can't be held accountable for anything I say on Saturday nights. Uh, <laughs> second of all, you certainly can't put him back there this week, even if he was out of the concussion deal. He Here was the problem is, after he dropped the first one, the, the only he's ever dropped in his career his confidence was messed up. Oh, you could see it. And someone mentioned something to me that I actually wasn't thinking about on Saturday. Maybe he's never caught a left-footed putt, punt, and that's what was throwing him off, the way the ball comes off the left foot. I, I, I've talked to returners who have said it makes a difference. So as soon as he dropped that ball, his confidence was in the gutter, and he didn't want to field it. So then one time it worked out, and the next time it cost them – 30, 35 yards, the way that ball rolled. Yeah. And so to me, he has to have plenty of time to get that game out of his head because it was deeply implanted. Actually, I blame his injury a little bit on Coach McIntyre because he shouldn't have been out there even at that point. He had already displayed the fact that he could not return punts on that night. And to put him back out there after he'd had the issue all game, was a bit irresponsible on my part, on my in my mind. Well, here's the thing: how do you ever get him positive experiences fielding punts in game situations, unless you give him experience fielding punts in game situations? If he if he if he doesn't give him that chance, then I mean, yes, now it sucks because yeah, that's his, his last memory is fumbling a second time and then getting hit in the head. But what coach was probably hoping for was that he would field a couple more and then it would go well, and that the one that he missed would be further from his mind once the game was over. Because he didn't want it lingering with him after the game. But now, of course, it happened again. Yeah, I just felt, it w especially in a game where it just, it, I don't know if it felt like this down where you were sitting, but around us, everyone felt like it, it was about to turn. Like, everyone was like, oh, God, there's, there it is. Like, now 
We, we, you know, we've let all these opportunities slip. I personally was like, ASU can't do anything on offense, so yeah. that's not going to happen. But it just felt like it would have been a good time to get him out of there, just flush it out of the system. Now he has to come back from this. I mean, at least he has to display in practice that, like, he doesn't have the yips. You know what I'm saying? Right, but let him do that. I don't know. I mean, yes, you got to get somebody else ready to go this week. But I don't think he should be out of the question for, for no, future I, I games. I don't know if I actually said that, but – uh, he, it doesn't have to be a permanent thing, but you certainly, even if he was fine this week, you can't put him back out there this week. But here, I want to raise this point. This is really fascinating to me. If you have two fumbles on your own 30-yard line on, and you have a missed field goal and a missed extra point, the Buffs lost games last year because of things like that. And today, I mean, this week, it was the difference between a 24-point win and, like, a 38-point win. And that was the only difference that it made against yeah, Arizona State. It was crazy. I mean, Think about that. The 24-point win that everyone in my section complained about from kickoff to final whistle. And I think another thing people complain about is field rushing. And this is a thing that became a topic Saturday night uh, because it was, it was more of a field sprinkle than a field rush. Uh, people sprinkled their way onto the field. Ted was involved in that sprinkle. Uh, my experience in that sprinkle was uh, I was on the field for post-game interviews. I was trying to get post-game interviews, and I talked to associate athletic director Lance Carl for one second, and I turned around, and there was like 20 people on the field, 50 people on the field. I'm like, why? 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 And then like I turned around again, and there was like 60 people on the field. And then I realized that they were attempting to rush the field. I thought it was pretty lame. I'm all for field rushes, but the execution was very lame. Ted, uh, what was your what was your opinion on it? There was no plan to do it. There was no real attempt on Argus's part to stop it from happening. As a matter of fact, they opened a gate right when the as soon as the game ended, and um, because I guess they thought that it was like going to happen when there was no real forward momentum, but it it just, they opened the gate and so people started going, and I don't know. I mean, here's the thing. People were planning to field rush if CU got bowl eligibility at home. What if they win this week? What happens then? Then you don't get to field rush again unless maybe if they win the South. When they win the South if they win the South, South, there won't be as many students there. So here's the thing. I say you take the opportunities when you can get it because it's been five years. I've been a student since 2013, and CU's had no opportunities to do that. CU used to field rush for everything. This is a game that I bet you were at. 2006, I'm talking to RK. Texas Tech. 2006, Texas Tech. The Buffs were winless going into that game. They beat an unranked Texas Tech, and they rushed the field. That's very different. I'm more – okay, here's my – I am, for my entire life, I've been literally rush everything no matter what. This one just felt gross. To, it felt grimy. It was like the Buffs were favored by 13, and then they went and doubled that almost, should have, and it was never in questions. It, it maybe no, it was it an overtime win – I would have been like, okay, you got caught up in the emotion, and you just go. It just felt, I mean, you might as well have rushed against Oregon State and Idaho State at this point because Arizona State didn't look any better than those teams to me. So I'm okay with, like, I, I tweeted it out and said, like, SMH and crying emoji, crying emoji, which is like I was shaking my head and laughing. I wasn't mad. You know, you, you they're, like I've always said about yeah. any sort uh, field rushing or uh, court storming, it's the kids. Like, let them have fun. Like, that's the whole point of college yeah. is to have fun. And really, the players out there deserved to be able to celebrate with their peers. And so they loved the it, end, by the way. The right, players exactly. loved it. And that's what I, the first thing I asked Jake. I said, did the players like it? And he's like, yeah, man, I think they liked it. You know, at first they were like, oh, what's happening? When there's all the players, like, all them out there, you know, singing the fight song. 
There's nothing wrong with it, but I, I will say it did feel just a little grimy. Yeah, it wasn't my favorite thing in the world. I would have saved it, but, I mean, it, it felt less like, oh, my God, I can't believe we just won. Let's go rush the field. It felt more like, oh, you know what? Let's go celebrate with our guys. It was like a, it just kind of had like a nice, it was like a low-key version of the field rush. Yeah, it was a. It was whatever. I, it was a, it I'm was not. A field I'm not gonna. Joining. I'm not gonna say that I. I was in favor I, of it, so but I'm not gonna disown it either. I even liked Kansas's field rush this year, which there was like eight was, people on the field. Right. So I mean, I'm all for it. It was just really odd to me the way it kind of went down. I was shocked uh, when Argus opened the gate. I was shocked. Either way, that's uh, weak of our. Ar- blame Argus. If I will. You're mad at Argus. Nobody would have done it if Argus but hadn't actually, opened the gate. They they ta- they tackled me that yes Saturday. They're the worst. Anyways, uh, one thing that you need to rush to, maybe not the field, but you need to rush to the Colorado Keg House. It is off of 36 in Wadsworth, right next to the Broomfield Event Center. I- IPAs, ales, nitros, craft It's getting beers. a little better. Your it's, reads are really... It? Hey, it's Dale's Pale what? Ale. Hey, there you're, it is. You have re- to say that first and then I Your can reads are almost on point this week. Like, they're okay. They're, they're okay. They're improving. Week by week, that's what I'm improving. We're all about improvement on the BSN Buffs podcast. We're trying to rise as well. And one of the places you can rise is the Colorado Keg House. You can rise and oh, shine, back down. get your beer on at the Colorado Keg House. They have 30 televisions to watch college football, if, you're, if that's your type of thing. And I know it is on Saturdays because you listen to this podcast. So the Colorado Keg House is the place to be on a college football Saturday with all of the home. Well, they are the home for Colorado Craft Beer. And we're going to be right back on the other side of this break. Fossil Trace Golf Club is a destination for golfers across the country. Tucked into the foothills of Golden, Colorado, Fossil Trace is one of the most unique courses in America. Hole 12 was named one of the most fun 18 holes in America by Golf Digest. Fossil Trace is 5280's best golf course, and it's less than 20 minutes from downtown Denver. Go to Fossil Trace to escape the ordinary and discover the extraordinary with prehistoric and modern. Schedule your tee time up to 60 days in advance at FossilTrace.com. Preferred Organic Therapy is one of Denver's original dispensaries. They've carried a fine list of award-winning strains since 2009, and they now carry Colorado's largest selection of edibles. You'll find other things like Apothecana oils and creams, Marcaha oral tinctures, and Charlotte's Web CBD. Nobody gives you the variety that Preferred Organic Therapy does. We're conveniently located off of I-25 and Colorado Boulevard. Preferred Organic Therapy, a better way to heal. Back on the BSN Buffs podcast, I'm Jake Shakir alongside Ryan Koningsberg and Ted Chalfin. And it's that time of year again. And we have a new opportunity for you. That's mybookie.lv. We talked about it a little bit in the first segment, but we got to tell you about it again. And why we want you to do this is because you could be making some serious cold hard cash. And the way to do it is you put some money down on mybookie.lv. And the reason and the, why you do it there is because they offer real Las Vegas odds, amazing player props, and live in-game action with odds updated in real time. But the best part about mybookie.lv, Ted, do you know? Um, they give you fast payouts? Fast, no hassle. Oh, no, no hassle, hassle payouts. I forgot that part. Let alone fast, there are no hassle payouts. And they will match hate getting your first hassled. Dollar, first do- deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000, and they'll give you an extra 10% on top of that when you sign up today and use promo code BSN Denver. Let me just tell you. So let's say you put down $1,000 early in the season. They match that, and so now you have $2,000. And then you let that... You bet that 2000 on the Buffs to cover in the first game, and you did it every week until now. You're sitting on $256,000, and 
that's, that's a lot of money. Just that, one game at a time, doubling your bet. And you know what the best part about owning that kind of money is? What? If you had that kind of money, you could be doing this read right now. This could be an advertisement for you. Yes. Yes. We yes. will do your read if we you have that We will literally do an advertisement just for you as a human. Right. Yeah, if, if you got if enough you, money. If you, if you put this type of money down on mybookie.lv and score that much cash and give some to us, <laughs> we will advertise for you. But I got to tell you about it, the rest of it. Promo code BSN Denver, expert rookie. Go check out mybookie.lv today. Uh, a lot of people checked out Folsom Field on Saturday. Uh-huh. 48 plus, Ted, what was the official number? 48,588. He's ridiculous. Uh, but it's his thing, and I love him for it. He knows lots of numbers. Ted, you had some questions towards Ryan and I about how the atmosphere of Folsom Field was, and I'm interested in kind of where you're gauging eyes on it because you oh, yeah, know more about this than anybody. See, I, 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 I know a little bit based on, like, what I've seen in videos and stuff, but before I was a student, I didn't go to all that many CU football games because they were – expensive and I don't know I just my parents weren't that interested in going so really I've only known bad Folsom from like the last couple of years so my question to RK who's been to like 110 straight or like 105 or however many it is now 104 yeah so anyway he's been to a lot of games in a row dating back to uh, the end of the glory days what did Saturday compare to a game from the old days to you the atmosphere was really good. Um, I think the main thing that reminded me of those old days was everyone being happy. Like, everyone was there being happy and expecting to win. Right. The issue was the Buffs put it on them so hard that fans never had a reason to get into the game. You know, when fans get loud is when they feel like they have to and they feel like they can actually change things right. when they get loud. Well, there's never really a point where the fans were like, oh, no, the Buffs need us. Let's get really loud. Um, so that early in the game, you heard like, okay, this has potential. But even then, it's it's fourth quarter right. tie game, third down, where you're seeing Folsom reach its peak. And honestly, I talk about this game a lot, but Cal, the year before or the first year in the Pac-12, when it was that weird non-conference conference game, but everyone felt everyone thought it was like Embry's chance to break through. That was one of the loudest games I've ever heard because it ended up going into overtime. Right. Uh, so. It just wasn't the right atmosphere for it to pop off completely. Maybe we'll get that on Thursday night against the Bruins. We'll see. I mean, I just for me, it was so nice to see people. I wrote the article last week, but they people did a better job of getting there. It wasn't what 100% it needs to be. 100% credit goes to you. It was yeah. But it, actually, the all, all the email yeah. blasts that the athletic department sent out had nothing to do with it. It was all me. But anyway, the athletic department used your material though. But Anyway, they had that idea independently of me. I'm glad other people were thinking about it. But it wasn't perfect, but it was a lot better than it's been. And um, it was nice to see. And also, we, we got to keep this in mind. Folsom's capacity now is 3,500 less than it was because of what they did with remodeling it and putting in a, a bunch of club seats where they used to be bleachers. So in terms of, like, a percentage, this 48-5 crowd was pretty much equivalent to 52 in the old in terms of how full it was. So, I mean, in the olden days when Folsom would get 50, there would be 3,000 empty seats still. So when you think about it, yeah, it was, it was not the biggest crowd that they've had. Um, it was in the, in the last five years, but not like it wasn't a, quote, sellout. But Folsom was very, very full on Saturday night, which was great to see. Does Folsom sell out on Thursday night? Only if they beat Stanford. Okay. I think, I think it's either way because if they don't beat Stanford, you want to be bowl, there for the bowl. Bowl eligibility? Good point. And yeah. by the way, we if, if, if CU gets bowl eligibility at home, we will rush the field again. Yeah. And that one will be vindicated. Yeah. I don't 
here's what I my question Validate. for you guys. Yeah. Do I sit in the booth? Like, let's say it's like, it's in hand. It's 14 points. Do I sit in the booth and call that, or do I get on the field? That's my big question that I've had. Where your priorities UCLA. lie? Yeah. Well, I would be one of two people on the radio calling it, or I'd be one of 50 with the video a, of it. I think you have a chance to have a, a pretty great call there. I think so too. If you if you have any other information on that or uh, feedback on that, fans, tweet at me. Tell me where I should be. Um, should Chap call it and have a super dupe, dope call, or should he get down there and put out cool super, content? Super dope video. Telling Chap to keep his mouth shut is not a viable option. <laughs> Yes, either way, I will be adding everyone. Uh, <coughs> but By I, the way, I, I meant to mention this earlier. If you ever slandered Cepho, never at me. <laughs> that's, that's the name of the head. That's going to be the headline of the podcast. <laughs> don't sl- if you've ever slandered Cepho, don't at me. Uh, I want to continue on uh, the podcast and the train we were going, specifically the trees we were going to. Uh, the Stanford Cardinal, uh, the Buffs are going to play them. And... What's amazing about this is we keep talking about spreads and whatnot. Buffs are only uh, underdogs by three points, which means they're really it's a it's even. a even game. It's a push it's according road. to Vegas. So, right, wow. and Stanford probably doesn't get the three points because their home atmosphere is trash. Yeah, it's so, one of the least intimidating environments in the Pac-12. Washington bet, State and Oregon State maybe the only less intimidating. I would bet they get two and a half, which really means the Buffs are half-point favorites. Which our friend Tyler Murray, who projects the lines, his projected line was a half-point favorite. So. That, I mean, what, to well, me, what do we think about that? Are you putting money on the buffs this weekend, Ryan? Yeah, they continue the cover streak. Um, so that means they win. Or they lose by one point. Yeah, oh, yeah, or two. Well, what do you think is going to happen? Actually, we should, we should save we'll, that. We'll save that. Yeah. Um, but, but you're putting money on them. Here, it's, um, Stanford actually is not good, and <laughs> that's a weird thing to say because they're supposed to be. But, I mean... Their offensive line is in shambles. And that's so weird to say about Stanford because usually they're just like, sucks to be you. We're about to just uh, push you around all day and run it. Well, you're seeing Christian McCaffrey struggle because he doesn't last when last time he came to Folsom or when he came to Folsom last year, he's it looked like he was running just through truck holes. They're not opening those holes anymore. And you're seeing the reason why he's kind of fallen out of the Heisman race completely. Completely. He's, it's over for him now. Right. So that is what's crazy. And watching what the Buffs did to Arizona State's offensive line, uh, I have a feeling David Shaw has some headaches watching that game. Here's a crazy question. Would you rather have Christian McCaffrey in his offensive line or Philip Lindsay in his offensive line? Don't ask me that question. I'm going to make a fool out of myself. I'll take, I'll take Phil in the Buffs. Right now? Maybe. It, it, I've been it, saying this all week about the Broncos. The, uh, the, the back is only as good as their line. Yeah. And so it, it, you put Chris McCaffrey behind CU's offensive line. Well, now he's back in the Heisman race. Yeah. But you, a guy can, can we, only can do we, so wait, much. Can we just take a step back to August and imagine you saying that, by the way? I love the way this season has gone. It's crazy. But what I wanted to say. But go, also, go first, Ryan, other go things I said in August. Was that Cepho is going to go on a redemption tour, and by the end of the season, everyone is going to love him. So that's your cereal eating video. Yes. Yes, you're going to do that to that. No one understands what we're that's talking good. about. That's okay though. You're going to love fine. that content when it comes out. We promise. Uh, anyways, but what I was alluding to is, who would imagine that Colorado's physicality would be at or maybe above the level of Stanford football? Like that's above. A, that, but like that's a we'll pretty see on Saturday, but maybe. Say. 
It's like, amazing. That's a huge leap. They are they are they are twenty two year olds, twenty three in a lot of cases. We simply it can't. It's impossible for us to comprehend how there was never a middle ground. We uh, the Buffs went from uh, the worst, bad yeah. and terrible, to good and super awesome well, without ever being in between. And now it's all messed up because everyone expects them to win every week. I know every loss is disappointing. It's great, but terrible. And so it's just it's so weird. Like no one ever got to no one really got to gets got to enjoy this, even though it's very like, enjoyable I'm for enjoying everyone. It. You but but you never got to enjoy this whole like oh, okay here we go like I thought that was gonna be last year like they're gonna like right right I thought last and year it kind of was, was six, they just didn't get the W's wins. yeah right like six win while Larry Zimmer's calling his last game type thing but well, what I, but I said I said this at some point maybe even it was as long ago as 2014 I said look if the Buffs ever start winning these games a majority of the time that they're losing by these close scores they're gonna be a top 25 team. It's cr- I mean, it finally happened this year, except they're not winning them by close scores. They're blowing people out. Th- this this phrase has probably been said on this podcast more than any other phrase ever, but Mike McIntyre always says it, and he got it from Bobby Bowden. You win, you you lose big, you lose close, you win close, you win big. Well, the Buffs just completely skipped the win close part, and yes, right. they won close against or- Oregon and, and that sort of thing, but now they're like teams that are inferior to them, they're just blowing them out. They're not just barely beating them. It took, it took until year seven of Bill McCartney for the Buffs to be nationally ranked. They made the bowl in year four, and that's what everybody's goal was for McIntyre in year four. But this rebuild went from, I said it in the tweet, it went from 85 to 88. Like, if we're making comparisons like that, I'm going to snap my fingers away from the microphone. Like that. I will say there is a... I feel like it was easier for McIntyre to get his team ranked than Bill McCartney because there was a... Uh, a Colorado still has an established brand nationally, and there is a certain nostalgia of everyone in the world right now of hindering back to the 90s, whereas when Bill McCartney was trying to get his team ranked, there was no Colorado brand nationally, and no one cared about what was happening 20 years prior. It's true, but counterpoint, the Buffs were very good in the 60s and 70s. But that's kind of off track from where I was trying to go. I'm trying to say the Pac-12 championship game is a legitimate thing that this team is fighting for, and... They, they deserve it. They deserve everything that they're saying now. I, I believe in their goals. I, I think that they're apt goals, and I, I don't think that they're that lofty as I once did. But in order for them to go to the Pac-12 championship game and win the Pac-12 South, Ted and I were talking about in the car, they could probably only afford to lose one more game, and, that cannot, and it can't be Utah. One game they can lose, but it couldn't be Utah. Probably this week. Maybe this is the only game you could afford to lose. Because, you, you, I mean, at this point, you... It's crazy to say this, but you can't afford to lose at home. You need to hold ground at home. Yep. Um, and what's their other road game? Arizona. Arizona. You can't, you I mean, to take care of you that. can't lose that game. You expect to beat that. So they, they look like the worst team in the conference this year. Even worse than Oregon. What am I? It's crazy that. Yeah, they look like the worst. It's it's pretty crazy. I mean, this is the one. And to be honest, I don't think they're going to lose. So. All right. Fair. Uh, we're going to take a quick time out on the BSN Buffs podcast. We're going to come back on the other side. We're going to do some stuff about the Hoops team, uh, but we are going to stick to majority, fo- majority football. We asked the question, 
what you guys would do if the Buffs make a bowl game on Saturday. We're going to go over that. We're going to talk about what we will do as well. So stick around. We'll be right back on the other side of this break. Jackson's Hole opened in March of 1977 and quickly became the place for watching sports. Almost 40 years later, and Jackson's All-American Sports Grill is keeping the reputation alive. There's 65 and 70-inch TVs everywhere. The food is still amazing, and there's almost 30 beers on tap, including our table taps that you can control at your own booth. Come down to Jackson's All-American Sports Grill in Greenwood Village off Arapahoe and I-25, the original sports grill. By staying at the forefront of cannabis genetics, cultivation, and quality control, the clinic provides the best cannabis you'll find. And with 50 awards, they've won more than any other dispensary in Colorado. There's also a brand new clinic location right next to the Colorado Light Rail Station. And if you bring in a ticket from the game, they'll give you 15% off your entire purchase there. Seriously, check them out. Go to the new location off Colorado or go to the clinic.colorado.com. Coming back in on the BSN Buffs podcast, and we have a very special guest, a guy who was very great to us while he was at CU. And he's here tonight at the Blake Street Tavern with his season ticket holders. Yes, I say his season ticket holders because we are joined by the head coach of the DU Pioneers, Rodney Billups. Rodney, welcome in. How you doing, man? Man, I'm great, man. I appreciate you guys for having me. The, the irony of this was I miss seeing you at practice, man. We had a lot of fun playing games after practice. Yeah, uh, Rodney and I there. used to play a game. Well, did you invent the game? Who no, invent- no, no. One of our managers, Sam, uh, he, he brought the game from the Nuggets. It's basically a, a three-point shooting <laughs> off, and my, one of my claims of fame, I did beat Rodney and Coach Carden once. Yeah, he once. Beat, yeah, they, we got they, one dub. They beat us, they, and, and it still hurts in my heart. <laughs> well, we miss ha- we miss having you up there in Boulder. Actually, I can't say that because I'm not there anymore either. But <laughs> I miss having you up in Boulder. Hey, man, I'm, I miss being in Boulder. We had some great times over that six years, and, and Coach Boyle was, was phenomenal for me and my development as a coach. And just being around the student-athletes for, for all the success that we had was unbelievable. What? How is it going at DU? I mean, how are you dealing with this transition? It's great, man. You know, the, the community has accepted me as if I was a student-athlete again. It's, it's really full circle, and the reception has been unbelievable. You know, the students, the student-athletes have been great for me. They, they'll run through a wall for me. The students on campus have been good, too, so... It's actually pretty good right now. We're undefeated, so I can say that. <laughs> Rodney Phillips has never lost a game as head coach. You're trying to change things up a little bit up there. Tell us kind of your philosophy and what you're trying to change at DU. Well, a, a lot of the things that, that I'm bringing to DU, we did at Colorado, right? So we want to play fast. We want to, to, to shoot at the beginning of the shot clock and not at the end like they're used to. We want to concentrate on, on defense and rebounding. All the things that, that helped us be successful in Boulder, I'm, I'm bringing back to, to the city. So it's, it's, it's a challenge because they haven't, they haven't been taught that way or didn't get recruited to, to play that way, but it's been fun too. It seems from, like, like from my perspective that uh, DU's athletics have, has really made a commitment to basketball, kind of like Mike Bowen did at CU when he came in there, uh, redoing the court, you know, bringing you in as a head coach. What's it like to be a part of a program that's really trying to turn it around and really cares about one of their athletic programs and building it up the right way? Well, for this being my first job, it's, it's, it's refreshing to know that I have the support of the administration, the support of the students, the support of the community. It's really been it's, it's really been fun and it's easy to sleep at night, right? Knowing that I got I've got some 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 
some time to actually turn this thing around, and I've got support behind me. Uh, but it's, it's, it's been fun. The energy's high. The guys are, are working their tails off and, and trying to do everything that I ask, and that's all I, can, that's all I could ever wish for. When I hear you talk, I mean, you say, I'm bringing it to the city. Like, this is your city. Like, you are a Denver guy. What is it like being the head coach of Denver, like, your school, your city? It's surreal, honestly. And, you know, when I got in the, in the business, I thought that would always be a dream job, right? Going back to the place I played for and, and actually giving everything that I know and everything that I've been through back to the university, that was always a dream. And... It's been fun to be able to do that. I haven't uh, put everything that I know into it yet. It's still early, but it's, it's been surreal, man. It's, it's been a lot of fun. What's it been like to work with Ricardo Patton, who coached your brother and who was somebody that a lot of people in the Boulder community admired and looked up to And when he was coaching the CU team? What's it like to actually get to work with him? To work with him and to learn from him is totally different, right? You know, when he was in Boulder, he was such a disciplinarian. He was always holding people accountable, and he still does that, right? He, he teaches me through his experiences, and, and he's always got a, a, an answer for every question I ever had. But to work with him, he's so funny. He always entertains the, the office or the locker room or, or wherever we're at. Even an event like this down here at Blake Street Tavern, he's always fun. And he's, I couldn't ask for anything else from him because he's – he knows everything, he's been through everything, and he, he keeps it light around the office. Now you took you, you took a, a guy from Boulder and him. You took another one of our guys from Boulder, a friend of the friend of the podcast, Zach Rubazam. How's he doing? How's he doing down there as your GA? Zach, Zach is he, he's sitting right here, so it's funny that, that you mentioned that. Um, Zach is he's been great. You know, I was with him for four years in, in Boulder. He did everything we asked up there. He, he was always on time. He always worked hard. He always, he, he always shared some, some energy that we have uh, and wants to be a coach. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that I can help him be a college coach someday. Zach, how, how's he doing? How's he doing uh, taking the head job? He's the same coach Bill. He's in a different role, obviously, but just to be able to be around him again for another two years and learn all the stuff he has to teach me, it's great. I mean, I can't ask for anything else. Now, we'd be remiss here on the BSN Buffs podcast if we didn't talk a little bit about your former school and team. Uh, I know we talked about this a little bit off air, but what do you think of that team they have up this there this season? I think, and, and I don't want to put extra pressure on the Buffs, but I think that they could be a Sweet 16 or, or better team. You know, with, with Derek White coming on and George King still there, Wesley Gordon, all of Dom Collier, all those guys that, that are still there, the core of that, that team, they can compete with anybody in the league, outside of the league. They can beat anybody on any given day. I think that they got a really good chance to do something that's never been done before in Boulder. Now, We've been trying to hype Derek White on this podcast for like a year now, but I don't think anyone will trust me <laughs> as much as they trust you. How real is Derek White? He does everything. Like offensively, he can score, he can pass. Defensively, he can he can guard the ball. He can be a great help side defender and go up and block shots from the weak side. You know, Derek, I think, has got a chance to make some really, really good money playing basketball. If not in the NBA, he's for sure going to play for a long time in Europe. Like he... He's got a chance to be be really, really good. DU for a long time has had this thing where they kind of go get guys from Colorado High School and 
Tad Boyle's done a lot of that the last few years. And two of the guys I think you were a big part of in getting were Wes Gordon, Dominique Callier. And a lot of guys, uh, Wes has progressed to a point where he's going to be the leader on the team this year. I think, Dom, people are still waiting for his breakout season. What can you say about those two, and what's it like to coach someone that you've known since you were, you know, my age almost? I mean, you've known some of these guys since they were little kids. <laughs> Don't make me sound so old. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, you know, we, have to, we got to build up some wisdom for you. You, you know, you're a head coach now. <laughs> That's true. I appreciate that. But to, to have Coach Dom Collier, right, who, who came up in the same rec centers that, that I grew up in, who, who went to, to a rival high school and I watched him play all the time and played actually for, for Billups Elite, which is my brother's program, to be able to coach him at this level uh, and, and relate to him and communicate to him, with him every day, it was really fun for me. And... Our relationship now, I still call him, see how he's doing, and and try to give him a, give him a little wisdom as to how coaches how coaches think and and what Coach Boyle might be thinking because I was with him for so long, I kind of know what what he's thinking when he when he's saying things. But it was fun for me just to see his development, and you know he develops at his own pace, right? I think this year is junior year. He's going to do something that he hasn't done before in the sense of playing really well for longer stretches of time. But, you know, I, I miss being there and, and seeing it and watching him compete and being able to say something to him that, to motivate him. What do you, sorry, Ryan. What do you miss most? Because you've said you miss see you a lot to us. What do you miss most about being up in Boulder every day, being a part of Tad Boyle's staff? Being in the office with the staff. You know, Co Coach Roan I still talk to every day or every other day. Coach Prelo, I learned from him offensively and, and, and mentality-wise. And Coach Carney and Coach Carton, those are my guys. We, we always went to lunch together. We always had great camaraderie. And then learning from Coach Boyle. You know, being around the student-athletes, we only get them for a couple hours a day. But we spend our whole life really with that staff. And I miss that staff a lot. And, and I learned so much from them. And that, that's probably the biggest thing. I feel like there's a bit of a parallel you can draw from when Tad took over CU from Bisdelic's offense to now what you have to do with DU. First of all, what, how can you describe that challenge? And second of all, what can you take from what Tad did? Well, the challenge is really difficult because those kids at Denver were recruited to play a certain way. And much like when we got to CU, we're changing everything. It's a 180 from what they're used to and what they were recruited to play in. And at Colorado, there were, we had athletes like Alec Burks and Corey Higgins and Marcus Ruff for those guys. At Denver, not so much. So what I've done is I've gone back to all the practice plans and all the philosophies and all the things that we talked about as a staff that I had notes on. And now I'm trying to relive that, that moment and, and try to get our coaches to understand, all right, we did this before. We can do this. We got to just believe in the process and get the student athletes to believe in the process but it's, it's, it's coming. It's, it's a little slower than what it was in Boulder. We had lottery pick in uh, Alec Burks and, and Corey Higgins, who, who scored all the points in Colorado history. So, uh, But it's, it's, it's coming slowly. You guys are a program that has never gone to an NCAA championship. You went to an NIT just a few years ago. How do you get recruits and get them to believe in, hey, Denver basketball, this can be a thing. We're going to make it a thing. We're going to do it together. This is going to be this is going to be something to be proud of rather than, you know, all right, the big dogs are CU, CSU, and all these other schools. No, like we're a thing too. How do you, how do you change that mindset with these Just kids? like you said it, right? Now, I'm selling playing time. 
I'm selling doing something that's never been done before. I'm selling living in the city, right? And there's every major sport in the city that's 15 minutes away from our school. I'm selling the opportunity to come in and play in front of a, a, a crowd that we got to build, but we'll get there and we'll have a great home, home court advantage when it does get there. I'm selling living and, and playing in front of NBA players like Chauncey Billups, who, who's going to come to the games and he's a season ticket holder. Like those, those things are easy to sell because it's true. You're pitching too well, you might scare some CU fans listening to this podcast. Well, I would be remiss. You're you're working on a little bit of a rise over there, but when you sat down, you said, "Are we talking about CU football?" Sounds like you know a little bit about the rise up there. What do you What do you see from them? I'm so happy that they're actually getting the respect that they deserve, and, and the wins will will always be first. But they're, they're they've got so many victories, so many small victories that that I've seen with my own eyes over the last few years. But to see them doing it now and, and having such an energy and a, a, a rise, per se, now in this moment, I'm so happy for Coach, Coach Mack and those guys. Well, I think that's all we have for you, Coach. It's a real pleasure to see you, a real pleasure to talk to you, and thank you for coming on. <laughs> I appreciate you guys for having me. Anytime you need me, let me know. Thank all you, right. Rodney, so Thanks, much. Thanks, Rod. No problem. Honestly, super cool moment. Awesome that Rodney joined us. We ran into Zach at the bar when we were coming in. We're like, oh, Zach's here. He's our guy. And then right behind him comes Rodney. We're like, oh, both of our guys And are Ricardo here. Patton was there, and too. And Ricardo Patton's in the Which house. Which is cool for me. And full disclosure, Rodney was like, what are you guys doing? We're like, we're doing the podcast. He's like, oh, where do you want me to jump on? Like, he's just one of the guys. Like, Rodney is one of the guys and was just like, hey. And then when he sat down, he's like, are we talking Buffs football, Buffs basketball? We're like, well, we can talk a little bit about you, Rodney. <laughs> Right, so, like, he was down to just be, like, a co-host on the podcast. Right. I mean, we should have just done an hour talking about the buffs with Rodney, but. Yeah. He's got season ticket holders to attend to. Yep, he, he's got some bigger fish to kill, unlike us. Uh, I think it's us. fry, bigger fish to fry. Yeah, it's fry. Kill I, just sounds too violent. I don't eat fish, so I wouldn't <laughs> know. Uh, either way, uh, this gives us the opportunity to talk a little bit about the basketball team. A lot of fans saw them for the first time in that open scrimmage Saturday before the football game. Uh, Ted, you were there. Uh, I'll, I'll give it to you and what your takeaways were because I've seen this team other yeah. times. My takeaways are that Tad Boyle looks great in baggy white pants and gold shoes. That's a bold new look for him. It, wow. Um, he was Mr. No. T. He was really, really pushing it. No, I thought Bryce Peters looked really good. Um, unfortunately, I had to leave about halfway through to go do some stuff to get ready for the football game. So I heard that Derek White kind of went off after I had left. So I was a little bit disappointed that I didn't get my Derek White quota. I'll have to wait until the season actually starts. But I thought in general they looked a little bit rusty. The offense was a little bit lacking, but that's to be expected at this point. Everything's not running on all cylinders. But it didn't do anything to make me say, oh, boy, I got to, you know, you're not going to learn anything from that. It's going to tamp down your expectations. It's funny because Tad Boyle is so scared of the depth and the rebounding and and the defense, and he even said it in his post-practice one of these days. He goes, I keep getting so scared about our depth, but then I realize it's five against five. Uh, when we get into season, it's only going to be eight or nine guys playing. He's right. like, I'm never going to. He's like, he like it hit his head. He's like, oh wait, <laughs> I'm never going to use some of these guys. Like I don't have to worry about them. I think like, the depth right of while was, he was talking yeah. too, so it was really fun. <laughs> that is fun. I, I I thought it was cool hearing Rodney talk about Derek White. Obviously for me, because if anyone saw him more than I did, it's Rodney. And when you hear people talk about Derek White you know Derek White's the truth. Um, and he mentioned he went a step further saying he's going to play pro ball. That's for sure. I don't know about his NBA frame, but we don't need to talk about that. He is going to be the truth up in Boulder. And 
It's going to be fun to watch. And you know what I said at the scrimmage talking to Sports Information Director Troy Andre? We were just kind of shooting it back and forth. And I said, Troy, you know, you guys got a very unique thing right now. And I'm watching it right before my eyes. You guys have two three-level scorers in George King and Derek White. Very few, thing, very few teams in college basketball have that. All you need to do is make sure you guys develop a point guard and you get a center that is consistent and stays in there, and that's obviously Wesley Gordon. He just needs to stay healthy. If, all, if those two things come along, this team's going to be very good. And what I did take away from that scrimmage Saturday and what I took away all last week at practice is that Deleon Brown is the best defensive player on this team on the perimeter. That's wild for me to hear, but it's really going to come down to guard play for them because, like you said, they have everything else. Uh, and so if what Rodney said about Dom really making – Basically, I mean, he said in a very nice way, Dom isn't the fastest developer in the world. Um, he comes along at his own pace. If he's able to make a jump this year that we haven't seen, that's the difference between this team being good and this team being great. Tad almost went as far to say at one point last year that they should have redshirted Dom. Yep. Uh, so that shows you kind of where his development is right now. But... Looking at what they've got, uh, you've got to feel pretty confident in this team. The one question I still have, uh, aside from that point guard spot, is how will Josh Scott's absence affect the level of, uh, or how will it affect how teams cover the three-point line for the Buffs? Because that was such a big thing. Josh Scott got doubled in the post. They'd swing the ball around. They'd hit open threes. I still think they have that ability to hit threes, but the question is, can they get open to hit those threes? Uh, and really, one through five, including Wesley Gordon, can hit threes on this team. Obviously, Wes isn't going to shoot more than one or two a game, but one through five on this team can shoot threes, and that's a big thing. They're not going to work it inside out as much this year, but I think what they are going to do is they are going to be able to have Wesley Gordon do things that people aren't expecting him to do if he is actually able to shoot from the outside. We've seen it in the past that he can do it. If Wesley Gordon takes his offensive game to the next level this year, it's going to space the floor out a lot better for this team, and people aren't going to be able to key on those three-point shooters out around the perimeter. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to account for Derek White off the dribble. Um, and the Buffs, really, outside of a ski of Booker, which it was happening in such an odd time for the program, uh, you know, a guy who can really score off the dribble, George can do it, but he's not the best at it. Derek White is a guy who's going to be a triple threat at all times. He, he's a great passer, he's a great shooter, and he can get to the rim. So that's going to open things up for the offense a lot. But I, I've said this, and you're seeing it with – the football program, the the number one uh, determination of success when it comes to college sports, to me, is veteran presence. You're seeing what happens when a team is led by veterans with the football program. Now, a basketball team that has four guys, four, with a total of 20 years of college basketball experience. That's a lot. That's going to make a big difference. You know what your experience counts, Ryan? the Denver bar scene. You need to have some experience where you know where you're getting your deals. And some of the best deals on the planet is the Clock Tower Grill. They've got $3 Long Islands on Monday, 75 cent wings on Wednesday, and $3 shots on Friday. Truly, the Clock Tower Grill is the perfect place to get your pregame on right off the Lincoln Light Rail Station. I don't know what line that is, but it's right off the Lincoln Light Rail Station. And if you can hear the background tonight, we're at the BST. Blake Street Tavern, Wednesday night is extremely lit. Flip cup night. It's almost too loud. 
I apologize for laughing because I thought you said offensive line, but you said offense a lot, and I was like, why is Ryan talking about the offensive line when we're talking about basketball? So uh, if you hear yes. me laughing over you, that's why I would like to apologize the, for uh, The offensive <laughs> line consisting of Tory Miller. I was like, wow, we really are a football school again. He's got a lot of bite on that line. Uh, Tory Miller could, could probably play tight end, which the Buffs could use. Did you know uh, Dylan that, dropping that tight ends so sad. have a total of three catches this year? Dylan, you broke and my heart. their first string... And second string tight ends both have zero. This is what we this is what he's so hyped about. We spent our Sunday brunch Googling how many catches the tight ends have. Like Chris Hill is the only CU tight end with a touchdown. And what I will say, uh, I know Maybe, CU's yeah. recruiting a tight end right now in NJ Fowl's brother. Josh Fowl. But he's well, he's a kind of a, an athlete. Right, type of guy. but it, it does the buffs no good in my opinion of you can't really say, hey, like we use our tight end a lot. So I don't know. I don't really feel good about that commitment. But what I will say is there's a lot of other commits coming through to this university right now. And the rise, forget on the field, the rise off the field, led by Darren Cheverini, the recruiting coordinator, continues to be real in the form of three four-star wide receivers from Texas. DeSoto, baby. And Darren Cheverini now rated by, I believe 24-7 is the only one who rates coaches. Darren Cheverini is rated the number one best recruiter in the conference by 24-7 right now. I believe it at this point in the year. Who else has landed better commits in the Pac-12 at this point in the season? It's, it's it, been amazing. It's honestly pretty incredible what they're doing in terms of recruitment standpoint, and I just had to throw that in uh, because I know how much y'all love recruiting, and I would be bothered if I did not mention that. So, anyways, uh, we've got one more segment for you on the BSM Buffs podcast. We'll be right U back. Flora is the Apple store of cannabis with three locations, the biggest selection in the state, and a tech-driven shopping experience. U Flora is the only dispensary you need. U Flora has over 75 types of edibles, tinctures, topicals, and drinks, and they have over 20 strains of flour at all times. To see everything Euflora has to offer, go to EufloraColorado.com. That's EufloraColorado.com. When is the last time you went to the Rock Restaurant and Bar on Smoky Hill Road? With 69-cent wings on Mondays, trivia on Tuesdays, and $2 domestics during happy hour and weekends, the Rock Restaurant and Bar is the only choice when I'm in South Aurora. They're open 9 a.m. to 2 a.m. every day, making them a great place for a big breakfast, tasty lunch, or a nice dinner. The Rock is off of Smoky Hill Road, just a few blocks west of E-470. Find them online at therockrest.com. That's therockrest.com. Life Flower Dispensary on Leedsdale serves medical and recreational until midnight. We are a one-stop shop and have something for everyone. Whether you're a smoker or prefer to use topical treatments for severe pain, we carry a huge variety of edibles, infused sodas, concentrates, flour, and we even carry glass too. Check out our menu at weedmaps.com for specific strains and price details. Life Flower Dispensary. Open 8 a.m. to 12 a.m. Monday through Sunday. Mention BSN Denver and get 15% off your entire purchase. Back on the BSN Buffs podcast one final time. Jake Shapiro, Ted Chalfin, and Ryan Konigsberg. We threw out the Colorado Safe Outlet question on Twitter a few hours ago. If the Buffs win Saturday, you will dot, 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 question mark. Matt Cisneros booked my flight to Boulder for the Utah game, which very well could decide the Pac-12 South. One celebratory beer. The real celebrating will happen when the Buffs win the South. Uh, Jacob uh, Southard said that. Matt Hassan, do six shots for six wins. I like that. I don't think he's 21, but 
I think Matt is 21. He's, so? he's my age. Have you met Matt? I met Matt several times in high school, but I didn't realize that it was the same Matt Hansen on Twitter because it's a pretty common name. Uh, well, or as Jake likes to call him, Matt Hassan. Yeah, but, but I didn't realize <laughs> Did it was I? the same. I wouldn't realize yes. it was oh. the same dude until he changed his profile picture to be his face. Well, if he's at the Blake Street Tavern, I mean, I'll buy him. A, I, I I'll can buy find a, a few people that would join him with it, join with him. I plan on being here on Saturday. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say for my answer. The Buffs win on Saturday. I will enjoy. Everything that is the Blake Street Tavern after a Buffs road win. Something that has been uh, a rarity around these parts. But when it happens, it's special. So that's what I will be doing. You're still recovering from the last road win at the Blake Street I Tavern. I legitimately Physically. still have physical marks on my body from that night. I'll and in the next road game here, I still have emotional marks on my body. <laughs> I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll start actually putting money away in a fund so that I can afford to go to whatever bowl they're going to do because I've put off officially doing that until it's actually happened because I don't want to jinx it. But that's something I've been looking forward to for a long time, and I promised myself if they made a bowl game at any point while I was a student that I would go. Yeah, maybe Shap and I will draft an email uh, to the CEO about how we need two people at, at the bowl game. At Orange Bowl, Matt says. Maybe even three. At Orange Bowl, Matt says, begin projecting bowl games and subsequently looking at room uh, slash airfare. Uh, Charles McGee says, freak the F out. Get bail money ready. Warn Blake Street. I'm coming. Please warn them. Wow, that's <laughs> a great tweet. <laughs> uh, ben Burroughs, shotgun of PBR tall boy. Nina, our... Uh, I don't recommend that. That's about the... Yeah. I don't know. You remember uh, when there was that shotgun challenge going around on Facebook? I don't think I have the same Facebook friends you do. <laughs> Well, there was a thing that was going around Facebook for like a year. I forget what it was called. It had a funky name, but it was like you would do you would shotgun a beer, and it was kind of like the the ice bucket challenge, but way more savage. So you would shotgun a beer, and then be like, and I nominate so and so and so and so to shotgun a beer. That sounds well, bad. I shotgunned a PBR Tall Boy, and regretted it a lot. You still regret it, in fact. <laughs> uh, Nina, our friend, says, "Sing the fight song all over San Francisco." Mike Ross, when the when the Buffs win Nina, not if. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Mark Belcher drank a lot of Coors Light. Apostrophe's uh, in the wrong place, I buddy. love Pete Cor. Coors. <laughs> uh, Taylor Henry, buy a plane ticket to, to SF. Uh, what I will do. Hey, that's do, a good point. I should start saving for the Pac-12 championship game, not just a bowl game if the Buffs win. Yeah, that's, that's kind of our issue now uh, about how we address the CEO, about getting yeah. two travels in a row. I mean, let's look at it this way. It's a once in a lifetime. No. I don't know how we're going to deal it with it because I, re- I was really just hoping for the Las Vegas Bowl. Like, that was my goal. But I think that bowl is too weak for the Buffs now. That's a December 22nd type of bowl. No, it's not happening. And also, the thing that sucks about those bowls for me is I have finals. Mm. It's not. If the Buffs keep playing like this, they'll be playing the last weekend in December. Right. So. We're or I don't even want to say it, but maybe in 2017, if they don't lose the rest of the way, I think they'll be playing in 2017. <laughs> uh, These conversations crack me up. Like, they're real, but I, I can't believe I know, we're I having them. I can't believe we're having them either, but I've just gotten past it at this point. Here's one other uh, dot, 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 we will do what? Yes, we will watch the game at the Blake Street Tavern, but if the Buffs do this on Saturday night, Ryan, we're doing Boulder this time. Denver's not happening. we got to find a couch. I think Boulder's the place. Go to Goodwill, buy actually, a couch, and then burn it. I'm so down. Uh, I actually 
have to be back in Boulder uh, so for, to take care of my dog. So I'm down. So we'll see you. Uh, you guys know where. Uh, you guys know our spots. Uh, you know where. You follow us enough. Uh, so we'll, we'll see you there Saturday night. If, uh, or we'll the see you here. Do the, do the de deed. We'll definitely see you here, whether or not they do do that deed. Doo -doo. And Jake will be DDing if you need a ride. Oh, I'm sure. I I have to work, so yes, exactly, I have. Exactly. This is, this is why Ryan comes with me on Saturdays because he's like, <laughs> you guys. He's my boss. So this yeah. is the worst thing ever. He's like, ah, you can't really drink. I guess you have to drive me too. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah. You told me I can't drink, and you're my boss. Yeah. Well, you can't, can't be drunk riding your game store. I'm like, yes, I know. As if Shap's never done that before. But anyway, as it, and then there's other times where I'm like, hey. Uh, I'm at this tailgate, and I'm already three drinks deep. Before you can leave, you have to do a flamongo. Here's the thing. You guys might get to see drunk John Woods on Saturday because he wants to come. John Will Woods, or John Woods is my has man. has indicated interest in attending the Blake Street Tavern for Saturday's game. Well, so literally, we'll see if it pans out. Everyone that listens to this podcast is invited, as they always are. So please, like, don't feel weird about it. Come up and yeah, I mean, hang out of the Blake you, Street Tavern. Like, all the people that we'll be with are all just like you you know people that care a lot about CU and people that just want to talk about it so come up say what up uh buy us a drink or something like that <laughs> yeah yeah exactly or don't but this uh, is mostly do this is one of the only places i feel normal is when i'm here on on saturdays i feel like wow i'm not one of the people who's the most out of control about this team anyways that's gonna wrap up the bsn podcast for ted shelton at the ghost of bar for ryan koningberg at ryan koningberg i am jake Spiro at chap Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. I was in fading love. What the f you complaining for? Feeling jaded up. Used to trip off that shit I was kicking to you. Had some fun on a run, though. I'll give it to you, but baby, don't get it twisted. You was just another n on the hit list. Trying to fix any issues with a bad Didn't they tell you that I was a savage? Get white horse in a carriage that you never could imagine. Never tell you you could have it. You.